Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn. And I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. On today's bonus episode, we're reviewing our Texas sheet cake and awarding our coveted blue ribbon to the regional goodie that made us stand up and sing, This Treat Was Made For You And Me. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready for some short and sweet talk. Stefan, I had a great memory of the early days of our friendship this week, and I oh. wanted to see if you remembered it oh. as well. <laughs> okay, here we go. Or, or maybe if I'm remembering it correctly. Um, I have a friend who adopted a daughter, mm-hmm. and so I had contacted her, and she has a new baby at home. And of course, you remember those early days, how yeah. you know dinners and that sort of thing are welcome. So I had contacted her and said, I'd love to bring you a dinner one night, and we were coordinating the scheduling and the details. And then I said to her, is there anything you can't eat? And in my head, and I, or I think I even phrased it as food restrictions or something like that. Okay. So in my head, I was thinking, you know, gluten-free or, um, you know, lactose-free, allergies, that whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. She, she wrote back and she said, there are three things our family does not eat, sushi, coconut, and olives. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> were those on your list? <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. I was making a taco soup for her, which does have olives in it. So I nixed the olives. And then I'm doing that strawberry rhubarb pie that I talked about a few weeks ago. And the topping had coconut in it. So I nixed the coconut. So I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm really glad I asked. And in this circumstance, you know, it, it paid off to ask and it applied directly to what I was cooking. But yes. what it reminded yeah. me of was, oh, uh-huh. 20 years ago when you and I did Secret Santa. Oh, <laughs> and no, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's so great. So you were my Secret Santa. So I was, no, you were my, I was your Secret Santa. So you I were. picked your name. And I was so excited because we sat right next to each other. And I thought it would be so much fun to try and, you know, trick you and surprise you and get to play like I didn't know what you were opening when you got your stuff every day. And whoever organized the Secret Santa event had us fill out a little questionnaire. And so we would answer things like, what are the favorite part of our holiday or how do we celebrate the holiday? And then I remember there was a section that said, you know, um, what about likes and dislikes or food restrictions? I can't remember how it was phrased. But I know when I filled in my form, I was thinking to myself, okay, Secret Santa, you're going to get little candy treats. So I put something on there like, um, you know, I prefer dark chocolate over milk chocolate. I don't like white chocolate and raisins. I think I, you know, put something like that. So then I drew your name, and I got your form, and I was reading through it, and I'm enjoying all the things you've listed about how you celebrate the hobbies and then – or the holidays. And then I get to the section about food preferences, and you said, no halibut or broccoli. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm not sure if I understand how Secret Santa works. If this is her answer, she's expecting a hot plate with one of those like domes you're going to just be lifting off every lunch hour. 
I know that's such a weird thing about me. I am really violently allergic to halibut, and I just I just can't digest broccoli. And those are two delicious foods. I really miss them. I'm really sorry about not being able to eat them. But you know, it's funny. Um, I've just I've just learned to 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 be err on the side of caution. Yes, you know, my secret yeah. Santa likely wasn't going to be presenting me with halibut cheeks. But but I have been in situations where where people have kind of casually said, "Oh, you know, is is there anything you can eat?" And I've said that and they've said, "Oh, you know, I was going to put, you know, we were going to grill halibut or, you know, especially sure. here in the Northwest, it's it's yeah. a it's a very common fish to eat." Um, but the other related thing I remember about that is going one lunch hour to Cheesecake Factory with you. And sitting there, and the waiter says, "Today our lunch special is halibut served with a side of broccoli." And you, <laughs> you and I just died laughing. We lost it. So we lost it. Of course, this be- putting a little note in the kitchen. Please, <laughs> please avoid table twelve. There's two lunatics at it. I'm not sure this special is going over very well. <laughs> I know. Okay, so I did oh, remember correctly because I was as I was texting with this friend back and forth and of course I thought back to that memory. I thought to myself immediately halibut and broccoli. Yep. And then I thought, you know, that was almost 20 years ago. There's a very low likelihood that I'm remembering that correctly. So that then brings me to the question, how is it that I can remember from 20 years ago that you don't like halibut and broccoli, but I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. I know. Is is it a totally it's different so part of your odd. brain? So you know, you give your give yourself a little um, a, a little credit because it okay. is is a totally different part of of the brain. Uh, okay, well, okay, so you okay. have not outgrown those uh, allergies or dislikes. That's good to know. I'll keep that on my mental list. And it's not that I don't like them. It's just right. you yeah, can't tolerate. I can't yeah. tolerate, it. and it gets ugly. So <laughs> enough said. <laughs> No, you put my name again avoid. for Secret Santa. So, but I still have a little coffee mug you gave me for that Secret Santa. Oh, I know. Tell a snowman on it. It's really cute. So I love that. Well, Andrea, speaking of things I'm not allergic to, uh, we are going to review the Texas sheet cake that we introduced uh, in episode 28, and it's the last of our regional treats from all around the USA. Um, This was kind of a fun recipe, kind of a mysterious recipe. There's a lot of mythology around the Texas sheet cake and where it came from and all the different names and variations. This recipe was from a photocopy thrown up on Pinterest. We don't know where it came from from. It's from a community cookbook. We don't know which one, uh, other than it was submitted by someone calling themselves the Chocoholic. So mm. uh, how did this one go for you, Andrea? I know you had um, said that that your sister-in-law makes a really delicious Texas sheet cake. You were looking forward to a simpler cake. Did that did that pan out for you? I was, yeah. So th- everything about this worked for me. All um, right. In multiple ways. So first of all, just the fact that it's called a sheet cake sort of lowered my mental anxiety. <laughs> You know, about a cake. I just feel like sheet cakes are a lot easier. Um, I The one thing that I was a little bit still kind of trying to balance was this is such a large dessert. And uh, listeners know that one of my New Year's resolutions was big batch baking. So this is a great dessert for big batch baking. However, that commitment is the second Tuesday of the month for me. So... (laughs) That didn't line up. So, you know, we we prepare our um, schedules in advance. So I sort of knew this was out there. And I just kept waiting and waiting for an event where I could actually bring this because I did not want to have this enormous sheet cake for my family of three sitting in the house. 
And sure enough, on a Friday afternoon, I got a text from my daughter's volleyball coach, and we were having our end-of-the-year party that night, and um, asked if I could bring a dessert. And I was like, yes! Bingo! (laughs) (laughs) So I think I even sent you a text. For once, my procrastination pays off. Yeah, and I mean, so, it doesn't um, have a uh, it doesn't have a yield here. But how many do you think you got? How many slices? I mean, well, I know, for, yeah, I know for sure what I got. Oh, um, okay, because I knew how many girls there were on the team, and I knew there were siblings, and you know that kind of thing. So I wanted to make sure I had enough. Um, let me say a couple things about the recipe first. First of all, I just love the look of it. Um, you know, I printed it out, and you can tell it just kind of has that old typewriter font, and the page is a little bit yellowed, and I thought that was so – I just love those old community cookbooks. Yeah. And I also love the non-specificity of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So it just says butter, not, you know, unsalted butter or softened butter. It just says sugar, not granulated sugar. It just says flour, not all-purpose flour. Right. So I just love that. You know, back in the day, it's like they didn't need to provide all these details. You only had one kind of sugar in your pantry probably. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even like grease a large cookie sheet. Well, okay. You know, well, there you go again. Like, who you know, is your large the same as my large? It's 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 uh, all right. Well, hold okay. That <laughs> okay. <laughs> Put a pin in that one yeah. because that is actually where my love for the non-specificity started to fade. Oh, no. <laughs> Be, be, in line just, too, yes. right? Just because a large cookie sheet with sides. I mean, I I only have one. I don't. Ugh. Okay, to me, a cookie sheet doesn't have sides. Yeah. So that already threw me. Right. So at that point, I'm looking at my jelly roll pan. Yeah, which is to, exactly. Yeah, I think that's okay. the more technical term. Exactly. Yeah. But then I kept thinking, but then why wouldn't they just say jelly roll pan? So maybe that's a newer incarnation. I don't know. So what I did was I went on a couple of other um, websites and recipe searches and found some other Texas sheet cakes. And the more modern recipes tended to specify a 10 inch by 15 inch pan. Okay, which is probably a standard jelly roll size. I think it is. Yeah. It, okay. It matched, it matched up to mine. Okay. Um, so I made the cake. I thought it was super easy. I um, poured it into my well-greased cookie sheet. And the only thing I was a little disappointed in um it's not until you go to pour a cake into your cookie sheets that you realize that they're warped or, or your yeah. jelly roll pans because um, this batter and maybe maybe my jelly roll pan is a little bit large. I didn't actually measure it. I just sort of eyeballed it and thought, yeah, I think it's 10 by 15. Maybe it's actually bigger. I didn't feel like the cake spread all the way to the corners. Mm-hmm. So in some corners, it was very little batter. Okay. I had a similar issue and just had to really stretch it. Okay. Um, I did too. I mean, I just kept taking my spatula and sort of pushing it to the edges. Um, I think if I did this again, I might just, if I used this recipe, I think I would just do it in a nine by 12. Yeah. Do you have like the half size jelly roll pan? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that would work out great. Um, The frosting I thought was super easy. And I did make a couple of substitutions, not uh, for flavored, but just because that's what I had in the pantry. So I, it turned out I didn't have any sour cream. I usually do, but for some reason I didn't that day. So I went ahead and just used that whole milk yogurt that I've used in the past. Oh, um, yeah. You that, used them in your scones or something, right? That you I talked used, about. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, and it's just pourable and it's really good. And I think it does the, the same job as the sour cream would have done. And then instead of the walnuts in the frosting, I did pecans. And that's just a personal preference. I actually really do love walnuts, but in my mind, walnuts are 
savory. So, you know, I love, for example, like I love walnuts and salads, or I love that whole walnut date blue cheese combination. Mm -hmm. That's just Mm -hmm. one of my favorite little um, bite type appetizers. Okay. So when I think about desserts like brownies or cookies or whatever, I usually don't want walnuts. I want pecans instead. And so last episode in um, episode 28, when we were introducing this recipe and talking about the kind of origins, it would be yours is more authentic. Using a pecan is more Texan. So you actually, well, (laughs) I mean, well, there's, I mean, they grow in down south, right? So I mean, they're just a lot easier to get a hold of as well. I think it's, it's more associated with Texas. So I'm sure that was a delicious substitution. Yep. So it baked up really easy. Um, I then I cut it into, let's see, five by five, 25, 25 pieces. And they were large pieces. Okay. It, it, they, they could have even still been smaller than that. And I took it to the volleyball end of the year party. It was a big hit. The interesting thing to me was that two different people who approached me and asked me for the recipe asked me for my brownie recipe. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, you made those delicious brownies. Can I get the recipe? Or you, oh, you frosted your brownies. Can I get that recipe? Yes. yes. So... Up at the top of the recipe where it says, this is the ultimate chocolate brownie, I think that tagline is really a more appropriate name for the Texas sheet cake. Because if you don't know it's a Texas sheet cake, and up here in the Pacific Northwest, I'm not sure people are familiar with that. They just think it's a big old brownie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I had a good success with this as well. I thought it was very easy to put together. I took it to um, a large dinner where there were... Um, lots of kids and bar none, you know, like the, the kids loved it. It was it mm-hmm. was a huge um, hit with with the kids. I think if I have a quibble with this recipe is that I found it a little bit bland. And oh. I don't know if that's because it's an older recipe and tastes have changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked before about being team fudgy brownie. So right. as a brownie, it didn't work for me because I prefer. It was a cakey brownie. Because it was a cakey brownie. Exactly. And then as a cake, I just didn't feel even. And, and I can't figure out why, Andrea, because it's got, you know, cocoa in the um, cake itself. And then it's got more cocoa um, and sugar and vanilla in the frosting. So you would think it would be a really robust chocolatey flavor. But. I just felt like it was a little bland. So for the cocoa, did you use the unsweetened baking cocoa or did you use cocoa like you would give your kids cocoa? I used Hershey's cocoa powder. Oh, okay. interesting. Did you so, use like hot chocolate mix? No, I didn't. But I used the um, – it's from Frontier Brands. It's an organic dark cocoa and it's very bitter and very rich. Oh, and I wonder if that sort of, you know, maybe as our palates have changed. I know for me, I love dark chocolate and mm-hmm. I love bitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe as our palates have sort of moved toward that, that we're starting to find just the regular chocolate, milk chocolate, semi-sweet chocolate kind of not enough. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. And they do sell dark chocolate um, cocoa powder. Mm-hmm. You know, Hershey's makes that too, if, if I was mm-hmm. unable to find that other brand. So um, – yeah, I think um, that's a good point for for the future because I know we're going to tackle some potluck and large scale uh, bakes mm-hmm. later on this summer, and this would be—I mean, I, 
I don't know how many I got, but I know I fed everyone at this party, and then I still had plenty <laughs> left for like my kids for the week of lunchbox treats. Yes. So yes. Um, it just kept going. It was the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> so. Yeah. so I think two thumbs up from us. I think this is one we both would recommend for a big gathering, and especially if you have limited time to put it together. It's a pre- It comes together pretty quickly, and I didn't even have to go to the store. I had everything I needed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrea, it's come to the time in our bonus episodes where we talk about our coveted blue ribbon and which regional dessert we are going to award our blue ribbon to this month. So to remind you a little refresher, we had our gooey butter cake from St. Louis. We had our Boston cream pie. Our bizchochito was in last episode, episode 28. And then today, the Texas sheet cake in episode 28 and a half. Andrea, who gets your blue ribbon? Well, uh, I really enjoyed May. I enjoyed the regional food tour across the United States. Of course, we only had four episodes. I mean, we could do a regional food tour for a year yeah. and not even begin to no, tap into that's all, so true. The, all the fabulous desserts across our country. And um, I'm really enjoying on our Facebook group, too, seeing all of our listeners chime in with their state desserts and, and or what they think their state desserts should be. Yes, really fun to read. I am actually going to vote for the Biz Chochito on this <gasps> one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. New Mexico, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very different. It is something I've never baked with aniseed before. So that was different for me. I've never made a cookie with such a soft dough before. So that that piece of it was kind of fun. I'm, okay. my, my cookie um, batter is usually fairly stiff. And I just thought it was very different. I liked it. The kids liked it. I just felt like if you bring it somewhere, it's going to not be something that anyone else is going to be bringing at the same time. So um, I thought it froze well. I only made half the batch the first time and I got another, you know, batch in the freezer and that turned out well as as well. So yeah, that's my vote. How about you? All right. Well, for the first time, the blue ribbons will, will diverge. Usually oh. we've been together, haven't we? All right. So my blue ribbon for May goes to the triple layer Boston cream pie. Oh, yeah. And I just love this recipe. I thought the pastry cream was among the best pastry creams I've ever mm. made or tasted. Uh, it was just so delicious. And my family polished it off. It was certainly their favorite this month as well. And I, I think I had mentioned when we were talking about that, it, it's always a dessert when I make it and eat it. I think, why don't I make this more? I love this dessert. And I thought this was a really solid entry into that category. Uh, Not to mention kind of nostalgic for me since I honeymooned in Boston. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad we we finally diverged and had two two different choices. Although, who knows, that might have more to do with my lack of cake baking skill. The Biz Chochito, I mean, you know, think about the other blue ribbons we've had. The Flummery, now the Biz Chochito. Mm -hmm. We're We're really shining a spotlight on some more unique desserts. And I love that. I do too. And it's just fun getting in the kitchen and trying something I haven't tried before. So I I really enjoy that aspect. Yeah, for sure. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to the dishes. Join us next week as we kick off a month that's near and dear to my heart, homemade ice cream. (laughs) Perfect as we head into summer and easier than you may think. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, or you can download us on iTunes, where we'd love it if you subscribe to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams.
Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.